0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.
1: The New Zealand Young Writers Festival celebrates the cutting edge of contemporary literary practice in Aotearoa. With performances, workshops, conversations, markets, social events and more, the festival is funded by Dunedin City Council and Otago Community Trust. This live recorded podcast is brought to you by Otago Access Radio and supported by Dunedin UNESCO, City of Literature. Rua. two, This New Zealand Young Writers Festival marks two whirlwind years since the launch of the Utepoti Writers' Lab, making it high time for a birthday party. In this episode, join the celebration in a showcase extravaganza of writing in different formats, from prose to performance poetry and beyond. This event was sponsored by Otipoti Writers Lab. I
2: haven't even started and the whoops are on. Um teniko Tenekoto Katoa. Welcome, Foil Chat. Delighted to have you all here. Do you grieve? And all the other fabulous languages I know. Um, <laughs> Tonight, we are here to celebrate two years of the Oti Poti Writers Lab. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, the Oti Poti Writers Lab is a free to attend and it's facilitated by myself, Eliana Gray, and Emily Duncan. And it's the brainchild of Prospect Park Productions, aka the Wondrous, H.J. Kilkelly, and Emily Duncan. <laughs> So excellent to have them here in our midst, just around the corner. And so tonight we're coming to celebrate everyone who is part of our Odie Putty Writers Lab community. These are all so fabulous, and it's time that you get to shine and show the rest of the community what we've been doing and what we've been producing. And we are very, very, very excited. So we're going to start off, and we'll have four performances. Then we'll take a little break, because we also have some visuals. Some visuals. It's not all... um, Spoken, so you can go and enjoy those during the break. Mingle about a bit at a safe distance, all that kind of thing. You know, like wave at your neighbours, send little wood pigeons, and then we'll come back and we'll have five more to see us through the rest of the evening. And some of these do have an element of um, visual as well, and I'll explain as we go along. So to kick us off, I thought I'd read read a poem. Um, (laughs) I just. I typed two into my Google Drive and I was like, score. There's probably two in it. Excellent. I actually made a podcast. If you go into Spotify, not a podcast. I made a podcast. I made a playlist. That's very different from making a podcast. And um, it's on Spotify, it's called Rua Two, and it's all like songs with two in it, because you know I'm really subtle. And so you can add stuff to that and enjoy it. It's currently also I put safety dance on there, which isn't two, but you know. It's just a treat. Um, Saint Cousin. On the day I found two Virgin Mary shells on the beach, my aunt told me about a saint, a cousin of the family, her remains perfect in the grave decades after burial, people driving for miles to smell her rose-like scent hanging ghostly around the graveyard. It drew the types that a critique, headstones, shame in the small ones, not a soul must have loved them, sure God helped them, calling the big ones a bit much, a bit ostentatious. This ancient fella in a van outside the gates, the whole place knew you could hire him if you found yourself wanting after the reading of a will He'd go into the house of the deceased. He'd strip the place, take even the fire gate. This fella was in love with St. Cousin when they were young things. But she paid him no mind. So one day, he took her in the back of the van and all, alongside some dead owl ones, hairbrushes, follicles so fresh they were breathing. St. Cousin wrapped up in paint, splattered sheets. Oh, she tried to call out, but her voice was too angelic to be heard. Thank you. Aww. First up, we have the fantastic Liz Breslin and Jasmine
3: Taylor. Dobrevitcho, um, I'm Liz. This is Jasmine. I'm just going to say a quick thing about uh, what we're doing and how we're doing it. So, and um, we've written a poem called "I Cannot Write a Poem" that we're going to share um, with you. And what we did is we took prompts from uh, the two years of having enjoyed being like regular participants at RUA at Autopoty Writers' Lab workshops. And when I say we took them, I mean we took them from Jasmine's organised files. I don't have organised files. So um, we took them and then we chose some of our highlights and then we chose some prompts and re-responded to prompts and we made sure we had some from Ema, some from Eliana and some from Emily... Um, and so, this is—it could have been like 50 times longer—but this short love song to you all is um, just a small part of what you've given us um, through the years um, as our facilitators. So, thank you. We love you. <laughs> you, you yeah, I think yeah. Okay. I, I cannot, cannot write, write a, a poem. poem. How can I keep myself from singing lyrics? How can I keep myself from singing? How can I watch Yellowstone NZ? How can I access my KiwiSaver? How can I help you? What happens when the queen dies? Nothing.
1: <laughs> One least woman in power, but power is
3: meaningless. What happens when you block someone on Facebook? Plenty more than when the queen dies, but it's all meaningless. How can I help you? We should help each other that's the meaning (laughs) love awake i speak the mountains figaro one the sheets untucked around us two a paper and school glue rose i made from her poems three the meaning of love nest four counting the months since before five the whole emoji dictionary Six, please have this, my one ripe Joa.
1: I'm your guide now. Step into the forest, into another world, a gravel path soft with shed ferns. Hike to the private, public spot, Pee waka waka follow to feed. Through the green, other people exist as gravel crunch, a swing bridge over the glass. Panting breath mingles with the river, and as I look at you, I feel everything flows. You look to me as if I know the way. I say, we'll go beyond the blue pools, find a spot by the river to eat our picnic. It's the most romantic thing I've ever said. We reach the place where the river talks over us. A rock round through Nahere, emerged blinding grey and blue,
3: stumble towards the awa. If you could put your thumb on the moment you fell from a plane, strapped, angling towards pockets of blue, green, blue, again. If you could hold that clean, clean scented antiseptic wipe, the pain of the needle already receding, or commune on your knees with little sippy cups of Ribena, glancing down and down the line to every other maybe-believer. If you could point to yourself on that field behind the sports courts at Myrahau High, the poplars leaning in, the pop of dry ice and Coke bottles left behind by teachers and boys. If you could lie, pressed into the cold slick of lino floor, a pinky promise from a time before language. If you could write it, write.
1: I cannot write a poem about Unicol. I cannot write a poem about Varshava. I cannot
3: write a poem about Unicol that makes me write a list and worry if I've forgotten someone. I cannot write a poem about Varshava because my mother still has all the papers. I cannot write a poem about Unicol because I never actually technically lived there. (laughs) I cannot write a poem about Varshava because they've rebuilt the old town on the fake beat of Chopin's heart. I cannot write a poem about Unicol because what I write may be under the
1: influence.
3: (laughs) I cannot write a poem about Varsava because the lines outside the Uprising Museum are 20 minutes long and I should have booked weeks before I came.
1: I can write a poem about Cow Lane lined with hoof prints and piles of shit.
3: Nobody knows why
1: or how. I moved in four months ago so I'm used to the smell now. Cow showed up. Lowing to herself, no reports of missing beasts. It was a little used thoroughfare, so people shrugged. The lowing attracted other cows, and yada yada yada, yada. yada. it's a cow lane now. <laughs> I love cows, so peaceful. Sometimes a calf. I don't need an alarm clock, hooves and snuffles and quiet moves rouse me gently. The how still bugs me. I sip my coffee and look down, asking, how? How do they get there surreptitiously? How do they find out about the lame, silent, stinking silent shit machines? But I love them.
3: Like living in a picture book. Shit, is it a picture book? How can I keep myself from singing lyrics? How can I keep myself from singing? How can I watch Yellowstone NZ? How can I access my Kiwi saver?
1: Discreetly, Elizabeth.
3: (laughs) Avoid your issue. Your
1: issue, diverted. Diverted wearing, notice, a beard. A beard quietly, quietly out and extravagant.
3: (laughs) I cannot write a poem about Varshava because everything I say may be taken down by fascists waving anchors and used in their anchor-waving fascist name. This is not news. That time in the 90s I saw swastikas on an underpass there and Heil written high on a tenement face. I cannot write a poem
1: about Unicol without having those anxiety flashbacks of deranged behaviour. I cannot write a poem about Unicol because every moment was basically the same as every moment and a poem about endless teen drinking and eating and sleeping and terrible sex is so overdone we could all just watch that show undecided or that movie accepted I cannot write a poem about Unicol because I'm not friends with any of the people I knew back then and it's confronting to think about all the people you spent time with in your life and will never see again or even maybe think of again
3: I cannot write a poem about Warsaw because my heritage betrays me. When people stop me in the street in the shadow of Stalin's wedding cake to ask for directions, I can only say I don't have the language. I can't get notifications on Duolingo and my autocorrect does not recognise these words. I cannot write a poem about you, Nicole, because the past is a different planet.
1: You'll be my church, won't you? A life spring flowing from me to you and back again, but make it unrecognisable. I cannot write a poem about Unicol, because I'm sure I've been forgotten too. I cannot write a poem about Unicol without mentioning so many places that no longer exist, but only existed at the time to procure alcohol, and now if they still exist, they are in orchestra's headquarters, a hairdressing academy, a gig venue, a baby clothing store, an empty car park.
3: You'll be my church, won't you? Owl, can I make myself? That's the meaning. Owl, can I keep myself singing? Thank you.
2: All right, that was incredible. What a banger way to start! Thank you Jasmine and Liz. Jasmine, um, Taylor and uh, Elizabeth Breslin for anybody looking for them and their books and their works. Well, um, the book is over here for sale. Yes, yes. And um, publish Jasmine's book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, next up, we have Frigo.
4: All right. Yes, this is working? Okay, cool. My name's Bregan, and while I've only been in Dunedin for a few years, the writing community has given me plenty of new opportunities and experiences. Given most of my writing experience was either academic or competitive back before I started uni, it was mind-blowing going to events like the with Two Tales' Poetry Nights or the Otipulti Writers' Lab, where you can just write and perform in a casual atmosphere with friends. Even though I'm not the most reliable attendant uh, due to both personal reasons and everything going to hell lately, I can chalk up most of my recent writing inspirations to regular meetups like OWL. And as an expression of thanks, and to celebrate Al's second year, I'd like to recite one of my own poems. It expresses duality in many ways, the structure, rhythm, and imagery of imperfect halves. This is both and neither, all at once. A box of chalk, its colours broad, in dead of night I start to draw, start with my name, two halves, one whole, not mine from birth, but from my soul. The colours split the word in twain, Their separate roots on blood display. I stop, step back, look at my work, it's uneven, too far to the right. But I continue, yellow, purple, alternating, making asymmetric arches, spirals curling, growing longer, covering the architecture. Now to start on what's between them. What about a fitted door frame? One side purple, one side yellow, start like that, subvert it later. I etch the details into stone, purple, yellow, purple, yellow. After half an hour, I'm finished. I take in all the work at once. It's sloppy, an unpolished thing, work that begs improvement later. But it's me, expressed in drawing, a liberating piece of art. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Brigan. That was fantastic. I forgot some thank yous. Thank you to Otago Access Radio who are podcasting this event and are all around generally fantastic. Um, and that's a massive thank you to Eliana Gray for programming this whole festival and doing such an excellent job. Woo! All right. Next we have Tamisha Adebowale.
0: Um, hi, everyone, My name is Tamisha, and I'm going to be reading quite a long poem, and it's called "It Does Not Take Two to Tango." <laughs> it takes two to tango. That's not true. It takes two to make it work. That's not the case. For if that were true, why didn't you embrace, embrace our scars, our fears, our ways? But I guess I was too slow when you were counting down the days, the days till you left. I didn't think it was a face, I really did think it was real. This isn't a movie or a play, I really did think that maybe we could glaze at the blaze of the sunset rays. Of course, don't look too close, it's too sharp and painful, just like the words you said yesterday. Even my phone is sad in your absence, because it, got to use, it used to light up every time it got to say your name. But now my screen is black, my eyes are red, the sky is grey and has whipped since the day you left and my knuckles are hurting on the steering wheel because I have to keep telling it to stop turning the corners that lead to your house. So I think maybe my hands are sad too. Took me long, took me far, took me uno, dos, tres, cuatro years to only unhear the deafening staccato and verbato of our fights that released my tears. You never did well in school, did you? You failed your exams and tests. You failed the assignments. You failed being a friend to me. You are a snake and a parrot combined repeating my sacred secrets I trusted you in keeping in lies just so that you can gain popularity Ha! Popularity You must be happy knowing you made it into my collection of poems You made it into my books, but not into my heart My lips became the plectrum and theirs became the string But like every repeating melody their lullaby got old Their bitter cries no longer gripped me Their notes dragged on too long Now my ears are starved of the highs and lows They're just a forgotten song so as I said, it does not take two to tango, it does not take two to tea, for if that were meant to be, why aren't you with me? Thank you.
2: Thank you to Misha, that was so excellent. It was great to see you at the opening last night. It's excellent to get two chances to hear someone's work. Um, next up now we have our last performer before we'll take a little break and it's a goodie Angela Trollove she's got two collections of short stories with her tonight that you can buy off Angela for 20 bucks each or sorry buy off the book table oh directing people away from the book table, book table. no no over yeah. there Angela reviews exhibitions for all the gallery just around the corner Place and tutors academic writing, writes narrative nonfiction, and has thoroughly enjoyed writing with the Odi Writers' Lab. Please welcome the fabulous Angela Trello.
5: Kia ora, everyone. My short story is called On Beautiful Work. This is stigmata. On the week we cut my son's ear, my husband nicks it with the buzzer, I end up with a waterproof dressing, shiny but cornered away in the hook of my jaw. The elderly nurse bent over the trolley with a fine pen to the consent form. Removal of cyst, she wrote, from the left jawline, just below the ear. You can sign here, she says. If the doctor voids it, we can just tear it up. He's running a little behind schedule. That's okay, I say. The only thing is, I have to collect my son in an hour or so from his here. We'll be fine, sometimes it's quick. She claps to demonstrate. Other times it takes a little while. Now I am lying on the festive, wiped down polyurethane facing the wall. A plastic cord bends out along the white wall. It's shadow diffuse, then firm, then vague. You're not allergic to anesthetic. A syringe syringe is shaken, same one the dentist uses. No, that's fine, but I am conscious of moving my jaw. Liquid trickles down my neck Paper towels are pressed into service The doctor makes his incision And stretches the skin away from the cyst It's best to get it out intact That reduces the chance it'll reoccur To be honest, it's a bit like giving birth The nurse adjusts the overhead lamp Luckily, I dare it It doesn't feel like that to me I mean, trying to get it out Through as small a hole as possible That's a fair analogy I can hear scissors Are you using scissors? It's tethered underneath by scar tissue. How old are your kids? The doctor is also a parent, I remember. He's two, two and a half, I say. Actually, we cut his ear, the, his ear the other day, trying to give him a haircut. Ah, what's the classic? Nipping the baby's fingernails, the doctor says, too jauntily. Everyone does it once. We thought he just didn't like the noise of the buzzer, but he was in pain. A red bead on the tip of his ear, hidden in his mop. I cross one foot over the other. Let me know if you're cold, the nurse says. It's coming away beautifully, the doctor whispers. (laughs) This is the largest cyst he'd ever removed, a real chestnut, and he'd been a little cautious. But beautifully, such are the beauties of the world. When I first visited Italy, my host had called our rolled bale of chicken wire, stacked on a plastic table. Beautiful. He'd called our work beautiful, and I had thought, with a tourist's astonishment, here is the nation of connoisseurs, here are the richest beholders. Recently I spoke to to my husband, himself Italian, about this, but he doesn't believe admiration to be a uniquely Italian trait. His Kiwi colleague, he illustrated, drove a town away for a lamb pie, and he called it beautiful. (laughs) Now my doctor, he too beholds. Afterwards I recognise the receptionist Did I see you at that contemporary dance recital last Thursday? She looks up, weren't they amazing? My boyfriend and I go out of our way to see divas When they came to Oamaru, the, city, the next city north We drove up just for the show She keys the fee into the FMOS machine And passes it under the Perspex We New Zealanders, driving two hours for a one hour apparition We're crazy about beauty We're a nation of connoisseurs When I look for it, I'll see it Do you want your receipt? They were incredible, hey? I say. I take my receipt. The cyst floating in formaldehyde and a canister in my purse. My husband had asked to see it. His curiosity, both tasteless and beautiful. (laughs)
2: This show back on the road um, I completely forgot to introduce myself <laughs> I'm just so famous um, Sorry, my name is Imer Lyons And I am an Odie Putty Writers Lab Facilitator I'm a performer and a poet and a, a postdoc at the university I work in the Centre for Irish and Scottish Studies um, tomorrow morning, from ten until one, in the newest fringe space, which is just the opposite side of the octagon where all the scaffolding is, I'll be holding um, our next owl session tomorrow from ten until one. Nineteen
5: George
2: Street. Nineteen George Street. Thank you. Thank you. It's just down there. If anyone wants to join us. All the prompts are coming from New Zealand young writers, past and present. So it should be really fun. Some of whom are in the room. Oh yes. Yeah, so I hope you got a good look around. And as I said, um, Danny, our next performer, that is their um, exhibition piece there. And feel free to take scenes. Um, so please welcome Danny. Dunn.
6: Alright, I'm just going to be reading the little poems that are in the box and I think I might do another one as well which was the first one I ever did at an open mic night at Dog with Two Tails so I thought that was kind of fitting. Howl at the moon, relish in the night the warmth that lets you stand outside soak it in, give it a grin spring winks at you from the stars it's well on its way always smile at the morning sun at least soak it up, it'd be rude not to. After all, it came all this way for you. Just give thanks, you don't have to talk. Give your thanks with your skin, with your lungs, a deep inhalation, breathing in the rays. spears of luck to start the day. The sky looked beautiful tonight, it smiled down on me. And the world said, oh my darling, where have you been? The clock struck six and sang to the moon, I am in love with you. I spoke to the sky, and the sky spoke back. We stayed there talking for hours. It said, you look good today. And I said, you too. And that made it smile. After a while, I had to go and get on with my day. I didn't hear what it said then, but after a moment, it began to rain. Mushrooms sprout from teacups. And hinder the seamless pour. No tea leaves, just dead leaves Collected from the forest floor Autumn winds blow swirls of feathers Birds squawk at their loss Find a place to sleep for the night A bed of cool green moss We're not so different, you and I Why don't we wander here together? You've got a sun hat and I've an umbrella We're sorted for any weather Droplets of light creep through the canopy Dappling our long bare legs We rest for a thermos of hot black tea, finishing it down to the dregs. The derelict teapot is jealous. We didn't save any for them, but we don't notice. We walk on by, searching for a rare little gem. We heard it was here from the experts, the ones who know it all. We came here looking in summer, but they said, come back in the fall. So here we are with eyes peeled, (coughs) swimming through the fog, searching in vain for something so small A little brown forest frog. Thank you. And I just want to say a super quick thank you to our wonderful facilitators for the past two years. You guys have been amazing. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Danny. I can remember you reading that poem at um,
6: open mic, which is really
2: nice. Um, excellent. Next up, we have a reading from the fabulous Patty Pabo Welcome, Patty.
7: Um, hi, my name is Patty, and I study at Otago Polytechnic. And when I'm not swamped with assignments, I sometimes come to the Otipotis Writers Lab. <laughs> And so today I'll be um, reciting a poem I wrote. When asked where I'm from, what do I say? I sort of have two answers, which do I pick today? But it's less about the day or the time of the week, it's more about how long you're willing to hear me speak. There's my concise answer consisting of a single word, you know, the one you've probably already heard. The one I say because of my passport, parents and place of birth, that one specific country here on planet Earth, Except I also grew up in various nations abroad, experiencing cultural values that are often at odds. What's right, what's wrong? Where in the world do I belong? It's like I'm from somewhere in between, and I feel like a foreigner wherever I've been. But maybe no place can provide me a sense of a home. However, there are people who can help me feel less alone. They may or may not have also grown up overseas, It's that. They see me as enough and accept me as me, as a whole person, not just a citizen of somewhere, as a human being wanting compassion and care. Can you relate to this too, whether it's nationality or another label trying to define you? Masking the stories you live with inside, a part of you that you've been having to hide. Although there's no pressure to share, if you've ever felt like this too, um, please do share, because I'll try to be there. As people have been there for me, being supported and accepted can help set us free. To live and to be as who we are, from everywhere or nowhere, from near or far. Thank you. (laughs)
2: That was excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. And like doing it off is so difficult, eh? You know, I like doing it, but
7: it's like when you forget.
2: Oh, it's very stressful. Um, you did an excellent job. Next up, we have Diane Dupree. Oh Here she comes.
8: okay, well, you should be able to hear me because I'm a very loud person. (laughs) I was just thinking about this whole thing. My job is head of department at Logan Park High School. I teach the drama there. (laughs) And my colleague and I spend a huge amount of time working with beautiful young people, trying to create an environment where they feel safe to explore and take risks. And I think we do a good job. But there aren't that many places for adults to do the same thing. And so having something like this, this is the first time I've done my piece of writing like this. And I'm still, I'm shaken, so you know, it's scary. So to have that place where you can perform in a safe environment where people are supportive is so important. And I know from my own experience, people just grow and grow. It's quite wonderful. My own uh, relationship with Aughty Porty Rice's love I was thinking about this, is a bit like Signal Hill. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't always see it, but I know it's there. Yeah. So, so I'll try and turn up a bit more.
9: <laughs>
8: <laughs> you won't like me saying this, but I can feel my organ, the broken one, inside me. All day it sits there grumbling in the dark. Like a sulky troll In the hospital I am slipped into the sinkhole of the MRI machine Like a worm Smeared into the set of a Stanley Kubrick film Rudely pink In this pristine blankness The mechanism Begins to rev up around me I shout Can't you play music or something You won't be able to hear it over the noise The technician shouts back They manage it in the CAT scan I mutter. The only thing that would work is death metal That's not really appropriate here (laughs) Oh, I don't know I lie still inside A claustrophobic pilchard The machine clangs and bangs The machine sounds so hysterical I too may scream Did you know it reorganised? I was organ soup And, just like a pupating butterfly It recombined My organ remade itself. It could have been anything. A new kidney, a functioning gallbladder, a foot, which would have come in handy. (laughs) But no, it became itself again. 2.0. The reboot. (laughs) The specialist could watch it happening frame by frame like a nature documentary. How fascinating. (laughs) It went necrotic in places. I think I can still feel it, the blackened stump like charcoal, crumbly and breaking off inside me. Little lumps of coal to be mined by miniature miners. Could they chip out the tar left in my lungs from all those years of smoking and repair the broken neurons in my brain so my memory improves? Perhaps not. Some things are better left forgotten. I meditate every day. In my meditative state, the bonds of myself are loosened. Air gets in and I expand like a spiritual balloon. Clear and rainbow colour, I expand and inflate, going higher and wider, allowing my consciousness to float. I am now so big, a small child could be lifted away by me and easily get lost out at sea. (laughs) At the same time, I retreat... A process of constant subtraction, retracting until I am so small I am dancing with angels on pins. When I open the window, part of me is left on the latch. When I go round to your house, I will scatter myself on your furniture, leave smears on your coffee mug and on your dog. (laughs) It will take weeks of buffing and washing to get rid of all traces of me. Smoke gets into the fire alarm and it screeches with wild, whooping cries. Is that what will happen if I am cremated? Will I set off smoke alarms? I would like that. I would like it more if it happened twice. So people could get annoyed and snarl. I thought I'd just got rid of her. But you haven't. (laughs) I'm still here turn to myself each time to my room there is slightly less of me than there was before I am self-absorbing does that mean I can soak myself up like an inkblot ink made from the crumbly charcoal of my dead organ will I leave a stain often the air around me is too heavy to move, I can't force it aside to make room for myself I want to turn in on myself like well-folded origami How small do I have to be before I no longer exist? What is the smallest amount of me that can exist and still be me? I'm in the past. How much of me is left? Is there an equation for this? At the the side of my school lies a path to a cemetery. It's full of rectangular graves, cement and moss mixed in. The path gets steeper, then forks in front of a towering pine. The branches go so high that they force your head back in obeisance. I hug the trunk, rocking on roots that anchor its stitch to the earth. I imagine that the roots spread out like tentacles, restless, pouring through the soil, searching for the delicious nutrients hidden away, invading the graves that are wrapped up like fancy bento boxes full of delicious treats. Imagine if the limbs also absorb the thoughts, the desires, the anger, love, jealousies, the striving, shattered dreams in every tiny package. Is that why the tree is so snarled? The act of transformation has left its scars upon the trunk. Yet the tree keeps going, the source more desperate in its hunger The tendrils drive through the malls, break through into offices, burrow into bakery shops, never stopping. They hunt us through our schools on buses, pilfering our lives, smashing through, through our separate spaces, flowing through our heat pumps and cracking open our triple-glazed windows until it has swept our lives out from our everyday coffins. We can join it. Be sap. Flow. Infinitely. Infinitely. By the side of the tree is a statue of a large head, smooth and bald like a river pebble. The face has moko etched on its surface, and the blind eyes stare up at the tree, the mouth an o oh of surprise. Beneath it are carved the words Ekore o imate, kamate kote mate, ka ora tono I shall not die when death itself is dead, I shall still be alive but I will scarcely know myself, thank you. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Amazing, okay. We have only got two more performances left. I know, boo, 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 but good times for everything left to come. So next up we have Angela Pope in February 2020. Angela Pope attended an odie Pody Writers Lab on the theme of love to coincide with Valentine's Day. She isn't a very romantic person, and she found it a challenge. However, a seed of some kind was planted, because this semester she decided to write a romantic comedy for a publishing paper she's been taking through Massey University. Her novel is called The Seven Mistakes of Alfie Murtaugh and she plans to self-publish at the end of the year. Is it Murtaugh? Murtig, Murtaugh. Alfie Murtaugh is an environmental scientist who has recently returned to a small town in New Zealand where he grew up after spending years carrying out research in remote areas of the world. In this short extract, Alfie's second mistake leads to an altercation with a cafe owner who shoves him into the path of an oncoming bicycle. Riding the bicycle is Catherine. And this is how she and Alfie first meet. Please welcome Angela Paul!
9: (laughs) Alfie stepped backwards into the road and collided with the bicycle, sending the woman falling to the ground. She curled up into a ball, looking like a blob of bright pink in the road, like something radioactive had come down with the rain and was glowing in the gutter, he rolled towards her. It was a movement that came instinctively to him, having spent many hours in positions under bushes and forest canopies that required rolling and crawling to get into. For a few seconds, they lay there looking at one another. Her eyes, he noticed, were very pretty, with unusually long eyelashes. The color of her irises were dark green with flecks of a lighter brown. He knew that slight tweaks on a gene could result in many different shades in eye colour, but he had never seen quite this one. These observations, he told himself, were entirely objective and born of the scientific practice of close examination. (laughs) But why did he also think of Oscar Wilde at this moment? What was it he had said? We are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And there was something in that moment that made Alfie feel like he was looking at something star-like in the woman's eyes. Are you okay, he said. He reached his arm towards her to help her up, but she didn't take it. Instead she clambered up on her own and so Alfie too stood up, turning as he did so, allowing momentum to lift him, just as he had learned from his practice of yoga. Mm-hmm. Anyone watching him might have noticed the gracefulness of his movements although the effect was marred by a car passing by at that moment, splashing him as it passed. Alfie retrieved the rucksack before picking up the bike and placing it against the outside of the café. The young woman had begun shouting at the café owner. Alfie didn't think he'd ever seen anyone look quite so fierce in pink. If she were a plant, she might have been a Drosera capensis or Cape sundew with its brightly coloured tentacles designed to capture prey. But then he realised her agitation might well be caused by shock. He took off his coat and wrapped it around her. He didn't quite know why he kept his arms around her for as long as he did. Perhaps he hoped it might calm her. She looked up at him. Her eyes were still alight with anger. You're in shock, he said, and he opened the cafe door with one hand, leaving his other arm around her back, encouraging her to step inside. Then he grabbed the rucksack and put it just inside the door. First aid kit. He shouted to the cafe owner. His voice may have sounded brusque, but he was a man who knew what needed to be done. He didn't think too much about how that might appear to anyone else. How's your head, he asked. He brushed aside the hair on her forehead to get a closer look. He was concerned she hadn't been wearing a helmet. He understood the seriousness for head injury. Their faces were so close he could have kissed her, and for a moment he thought about it from a purely scientific perspective. (laughs) He knew human lips have more nerve endings than any other part of the body. He also knew that the act of kissing released the feel-good chemicals of oxytocin, dopamine and serotonin and that it lowered levels of the stress hormone cortisol. He looked away. He was being ridiculous. Kissing was not a recommended first aid treatment (laughs) unless you counted the kiss of life which was not required here. Thank you. All
2: right, all right, all right. Thank you, Angela. That was fantastic. I can't wait to hear what happens. Ooh. I think kissing. I think there's going to be some mumps exchanged. Um, we are on our last performer, but just some reminders, like that I didn't say the names of some of the people who've done the visuals. We've got Haley Rata Hayes, who's over here. Yes, you'll find lots of Hayleys here, and also um, our co facilitator Emily Duncan has provided um, some visuals as well. And yes, and the zine contains work from all of the participants from tonight, and that is for Koha. I was just going to say $2, and I was like, no, you, Mary, you didn't make the price, it's Koha. Um, and more than $2. <laughs> um, our last performer is the fantastic Madeline Dove. Okay, how's that? Perfect.
10: Is that good? Okay, hi. Um... This is my first time ever reading a poem on a stage. Um, and I'm a little bit nervous, but also it's just everybody's really nice and kind, and this is a really warm environment. Um, so I want to say thank you to the Oti Writer's Lab, because I've only lived here for like nine months now, and the Writer's Lab, even though I don't attend super often, um, is like a nice, safe community space, and it feels really feels really welcoming and nice, so thank you, everybody Yay. who's involved. Um, I'm going to read a poem called wool and Affectation. The brain a cabbage leaf, the teeth sore from yarning. The wool pulled over my eyes keeps me warm for at least a short while. Farm boys a dime a dozen. Here the boys wear tidy sweaters and dwell in derelict fat windowed flats. The chill comes right through them, but so does the midday winter sun. The mind a tired entity, the mattress squeak a siren song. The leaving to the imagination long gone, but it did keep me warm a while. Art school kids as far as the eye can see, all baggy pants and sunken eyes. The art school kids, they seem to get it. They see the lunacy in living. The mind an animalistic dugout, the tape recorder a poor man's crowd. The ice cream bar, a cheap thrill, makes it all seem worthwhile for a moment. We do get to leave this place sometimes, when the pen hits paper, or the hands graze steel strings, and so we keep up the act and meet for coffee. I always feel that I'm waiting for something, and some things are coming all the time. Leaving altogether has lost its appeal, the wool pulls me in for another night.
2: Um, so that's it. That's a wrap. So um, for the end of the event, you have time to look again at the visuals, buy some books off our lovely Liz, um, go to the bathroom, you know, hang out in your gangs. Register for the writers' lab. Register for the writers' lab. And even if you're not from Oti Poti, uh one of the sessions a month is online, and it's well and it's open to everybody. Whoever would like to come. Oh, we have one last surprise. Oh, H.J. Kelly made a cake. I love this way I'm going through. I feel like I'm at the Oscars you now. Um, H.J. made this amazing cake. And it's made up of poems from our writers as the candles. Yeah. And it's all made of paper because words. And then you can... And whoever wants can come and, and take a piece of the cake. And you can take it home. And then you can take someone's words with you. Oh, thanks, H.J. Yeah, yeah. Can we just pucky-pucky for Emma, please? Yeah! Um, and I also just want to say a massive thank you to the beautiful H.J. Kilkelly, our fabulous producer, produced this event. We loved her so much. She's the fucking best, as you can tell by this cake. And I also just want to say a
5: huge thank you to every single member of the Otipoli Writers Lab community who's here tonight. We love you so much. You made me cry. You make me laugh. I love you. And keep coming to the lab, because you're the best.